stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite World Talk radio shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the Power of Water, Earth's human mission, and what is happening with the world out there with what's happening in water. It seems so strange to me because I've been in water research for over 25 years and found myself, with because of what has happened in Japan and around the world with the climate, that our human mission on Earth, that we I see it, and you can evaluate that with me uh, with this show through the years, is what can we do to make a better place for all of us, but we have to learn to live with the Earth. It's not going to learn to live with us. It's alive. It's living. It's the soil. It's the water. It's the air. Everything is alive. And we've been learning that about that all of that from this show. And we found ourselves each week for four years and better now, 360 guests later, that there's so much to learn from our guests. Our guests is what makes the world possible. They're all dedicated, committed to us learning and what they're doing in their everyday lives. The Sharon Klein Hour has been discussing life-threatening water wars. What is a desert? Is it the oil? No, it's the water. We're learning about life on earth and birth. Did you know that last week, 1,447,515 new people came to this earth? That means one more person needing power, one more person needing to flush the toilet, one more person needing water, one more person needing what's modern facilities. Are we going to be satisfied with what? Uh, not modern facilities, so what are we going to do here? We need to explore. Today we have Dwayne Cecil on, Ph.D. Dwayne is Western Regional Director of the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration for the United States Department of Commerce. We're going to learn more about what's going on in the world out there and the challenges that the federal government is having with environmental programming funding and the disaster in Japan and the aftermath around the Pacific Rim. We all need to learn. We don't need to be afraid or concerned, uh, worried. We need to learn what, what, we can, uh, what is happening. And let's see what we can do to help Japan. Then we're going to have Art Bernstein, who's been on our show many times. He's an author, naturalist. And he's going to discuss with us what's going on with the Japanese tsunami and the Northern California coast in the Crescent City area in Oregon. We're going to listen to our sponsor first because we do have a sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Center sponsors Nature's Tears Eye Mist. When your eyes are affecting you, and especially in Japan right now, you need natural moisture to supplement. Not the eye drop, natural moisture. Nature's Tears Eye Mist with just a mist. Mist is tissue culture grade of water to be able to supplement the tear film to supplement what the, the tear film is 99% water. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Dwayne Cecil. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dwayne, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Well, I'm thank you for taking a I know you're probably very busy right now, and I'm glad you could be with us today because the history history of all of this is I've got some questions, and I'm sure you'll be a great professor in this classroom to help us learn what you've been telling us all along, that the power of water, I hate to sound punning, but that water on earth is everything about our life. And we're learning about it in more ways than we think of of drinking the water and supplying those children that are dying all over the world, uh, those 5,000 children a day that I pray for every day. They don't have water. But tell us what you've been learning um, about what is happening in Japan and then also what you're having to do. To, you're funding uh, here in America more re- research in what we need to learn more about water here. Well, thank you, Sharon, and I uh, really do appreciate the opportunity to be on, on your show again. And it, it's always uh, eye-opening for me to, to have the interchange with you on this show and, and learn what you've learned from some of your other uh, show participants, but one of the things that's really brought this uh, uh, challenge that Japan is facing home to me is I, I took a look at uh, the population and the size of Japan. It's uh, about 130 million people in an area that's slightly smaller than California, the state of California, and you look at the size of the population of the state of California, it's about 37 million people. So Japan in, in an area slightly smaller than California has have about three and a half times the population. And now they're facing uh, trying to respond and, and rebuild uh, from the damage the tsunami and the earthquake have caused, and they're facing really critical time right now in, in trying to cool down the nuclear reactors that, that they've had the problem with and, and to provide water and drinking water supplies to that size of population in an area slightly smaller in California, it's, it's incredible what they're facing, and they really do need as much help as, as they can get. And they're, they're facing summer, some... Dwayne, I wanted to tell you real quickly, it, uh, I was there last summer, and um, I flew in during the day, and, and we were hosted by a big company owner there, and um, um, uh, Yoshimi, um, who we, we have a business with there, and... I'm coming in for the first time in my life flying in during the day, and I've noticed that the beauty of the island there surrounded by the ocean and all the water throughout the um, the land. And then I checked into the Hilton Hotel, and I was it's magnificent just driving to from the airport uh, through the country to Tokyo. And when I got into the hotel and I was on one of the top floors and I'm looking down on the buildings, at the, at the lawns that they had, uh, uh, planted lawns on buildings, and they were so environmental. Every time I turned around, Dwayne, everything was environmentally conscious. Um, uh, to travel, I, we took uh, went to see a two billion dollar research center as a guest of the company owner uh, in Osaka. All the railroad tracks, the at the train station, everybody was environmentally conscious. Dwayne, you couldn't even see one cigarette butt. <laughs> nothing and the, the taxi drivers wearing white gloves and everything was so consciously they're grooming their their the, fashion everything has been so consciously concerning and and well and concerning of each other 
and Twain, look what happened to them. Yeah, now yeah, it's, they, it's it, it is I should be eye opening for all of us. I've I've had the good fortune and fortune to be there to travel Japan a couple times myself and and worked there for a while in their their uh, Polar Research Institute in in Tokyo. I had some lectures there when I was leading the the glacial ice core work for the U.S. Geological Survey. I, I had, the, uh, again, the great fortune to work there in Japan for a short time. And, and you're right. They're really conscious of the fact that they have a small geographic area. They have a large, relatively large population, and in the, in the population density, as I understand it, in Tokyo, the, the population density is the largest of any metropolitan area in the world. And so they have to be conscious, and, and, they, and they are very conscious, as you've pointed out, very conscious of, of where they are in, in the global system and in terms of, of impact on their environment and what their resource needs are. And, and to, well, and and for they've us been, to step back for a minute and think exactly. that this is one of the most developed economic nations in the world, and they it's really have addressed yeah. uh, earthquake, earthquakes in their architecture and, and have... I've defended themselves against the possibility of tsunami, and yet this this the, the devastation from this particular event still ha- has happened and is is an in- enormous. And I think all of us have to step back and 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 look at this and say, okay, if if we're going to address our energy needs through nuclear power, then we really have to build our facilities with what happened to Japan in mind and look exactly. at the facilities that we already have and, and are we vulnerable? And if we're vulnerable in terms of, of energy disruption, what are the impacts to our water resources? And Japan's going through that right now. I just saw recently this morning that um, that the water, the groundwater and, and the water supplies in Tokyo and some of the surface water supplies for drinking, they're, they're saying that the Japanese officials are, are telling folks not to let children under the age of one year old drink that water because there has been some contamination from this nuclear reactor facility. I also saw that we're picking up uh, here in the United States in in air samples in the western states and as far east as Massachusetts. We're picking up some iodine-131, which has a a half-life of about eight days. We're picking up some iodine-131 from that reactor in Japan already in, in some air samples here. Not at levels that present any kind of a health threat, but they are detectable. So, But it goes to show what a small globe we're living on. You and exactly. I talked about this many times on this show, that we have people go to the moon. But I remember the one time I said when you stand away from Earth and you look back at Earth like... Uh, human mission, and you're looking at the Earth, my gosh, they have the water and the rest of the world, a globe universe doesn't, that the, uh, the responsibility to all of us living on this globe, we're finding out, is not only learning to live here with what I call the Earth's human mission to achieve what we need to learn for generations and thousands of years to come, but also... Uh, what are we learning to live with the Earth? It's not going to learn to live with us. That's correct. That, you know, that that's really a good way of, of putting it, Sharon. And and I wanted to also mention to you and your listeners that that NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which I'm I'm working with now as the Western Region Climate Services Director, we have responded to this disaster and, and series of events in Japan, and we we have people uh, in this country working with the Japanese, doing some dispersion modeling to try to understand where um, any kind of release from the, re- from the nuclear facilities, where it might go under a, a, a set of scenarios, uh, different wind directions, uh, wind strengths, different weather uh, patterns, uh, if there was a release, where it might go and what direction. So we're working with them in that way. We also have people that are working with them, with the Japanese, on, on fisheries, what kind of impacts uh, can be expected to the nearshore um, and, and offshore fisheries in Japan. And so we've responded as well as other uh, U.S. federal government agencies mm-hmm. have responded as well. You've, you hear in the news often that the USGS is monitoring the, the seismic situation and the, and the aftershocks and follow-on earthquakes and, and providing information to the Japanese. And, and it's these kinds of, of things that these environmental situations where 
um, lots of countries look to the U.S. and our, our science expertise and our science applications expertise to provide as much information as we can. And in these budget-restricted times, it's getting more and more difficult to do that. And we're all trying to sit together across the federal sector, all the science and science application agencies in the U.S. We're, we're sitting together and more and more to, to figure out ways that we can leverage funding and leverage personnel and leverage information to respond to these kinds of events and, and to plan for future events. And it's getting harder and harder to do. And it seems like in this country right now, in the United States, uh, we've um, sort of targeted anything that has climate attached to it as we try to tighten our belts and get our budgets under control, which we all need to do. But it seems like that sector of, of science is, is um, really getting more attention in, from, from the budget acts than, than other sectors. Mm-hmm. And, and it's understandable. You know, we all want to balance our budgets and we want to move forward together and, and, balance, and get those budgets balanced and, and be fiscally responsible. But uh, it's in times like this when we have these uh, large disasters that, that touch the entire globe, as you've pointed out time and time again in your show, that, that touch all resources and all peoples on the globe, that we have to understand that we can't target one sector of our science budget and, and let the axe fall just there. I mean, if there was some way that we could step back together with, with Congress and, and all of our leaders in the federal sector of, of all these science and science applications agencies, if we could step back and say, look, you know, if, we, if, we, if there was some way that we could do an across-the-board, equitable 10% cut for everyone, uh, defense, all kinds of, all the programs that we fund, mm-hmm. would that help us balance the budget and not lose services? And, and this is just my opinion. This is not Noah's no, no, opinion. No, no, I, In fact, um, I have said, and many others have said throughout the uh, world that I talk to that are running big businesses. I call them high-rises, Dwayne. <laughs> but back to the business We've got to get back to the business behind the desk. And when you're behind the desk, you know, I get frustrated because I have to sit behind the desk so much. And I'm in research, but I have to sit behind the desk and run a business. I understand. And when you're running a business to do what you need to do, you're right. I said it when I started this show. What is the environment issue? It's, an, it's not, you know, when they came out and started winning Academy Awards about the climate change, people were just thinking, uh-huh, I guess I could recycle and I guess I could turn off my power in the house quicker and, and maybe da-da. They didn't realize that r- there was such a confusion, Dwayne, of what was being taught. This is an issue, a crisis of global changing all the time but the number one issue to me life and death is the water and Dwayne I was shocked you are shocked others are surprised that there was never an issue about the water it should be primary at the top you never want to cut any budget when it comes time for the number one life and death issue crisis life and death diseases dehydration diseases are lack of water in the body and the air doesn't have enough moisture in it to detoxify and be flexible to the body. So you're, this is something you're right. It's not, a, you're, it's not a, an opinion you have. You've been at this a long time. You've been under, I'm sure, a lot of budgets in your career. I really? have, and I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, and I've, I've used this analogy on your show before that, as the as the Western Region Climate Services Director for NOAA, I work often with the Western Governors Association. And when I work with Western Governors Association, I'm very careful, and, and we haven't done particularly a good job as scientists communicating what the end point is. And the, the end point is, for me, the end point is water. I mean, you can't have thriving, healthy ecosystems of any kind without water, even in desert environments. There has to be some level of of water. And when I approach work with the Western Governors Association, that's paramount in their minds, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, whatever their agenda is, whether they're champions for the agricultural community or forestry or coastline fisheries or development of, of urban areas, whatever their agenda is, they understand that 
that development's not possible, that healthy ecosystems and resilient coastal communities and healthy forests and good agriculture, none of that's possible without well, water. Healthy, so they understand that. So body. that's, that's yeah. the approach I take when I work with the Gov- Western Governors yeah, Association. Dwayne, is that Dwayne, the reason I say Earth's human mission is human bodies. The bo- you need to get out of bed in the morning, be in condition like you're going to the Olympics every day as a training to be healthy. How can you do that and be healthy? Because my research has been dehydration disease that they never wanted to talk about for years. And now all of a sudden I brought dehydration disease of the body is lack of water based on the day you're born and you're living your life on this earth. Moisture in the air coming from the fresh water on the surface of the globe, healthy fresh water, is what gives your body the detoxification, the flexibility to depollute yourself. Uh, It's not flushing the toilet all day. And um, I've said forever and ever, water, water, water is the way, and it's it's that humidity, the moisture in the air you don't see, that is so important. Now in Japan with a nuclear problem, uh, let's go into the middle. I'm a very open-minded to the middle type of research, what I do. Let's say it doesn't get too much worse and they get a handle on. What do you think the long term of what happen, has happened so far is going to be on, let's just start out with the nuclear uh, contamination. How long will that, with your background, will it take to go to decontaminate the soil, the clothing, the walls, the building, ceiling, everything, the, the, everything around the country of Japan. How long will that take? Well, um, let's use your middle of the road scenario, and I and I and I'm I'm encouraged, and I'm I'm hopeful that it won't take too long. It you know a matter of of a decade to, to two decades because the Japanese are so efficient at this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we use the Chernobyl experience. And think about um, how long it's it's taken the the Russian people and the Russian government to um, to 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 get that area uh, to the point where it is now. And they have an advantage that Japanese didn't have in terms of they have large geographic area that that's not populated. They have they're they're able to move move people around and 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 seek a balance that. The Japanese don't have that luxury. It's, they're an island nation. It's, uh, again, about a little bit smaller than California and a large, relatively dense population. So the Japanese are, are going to be faced with you know, where, do the peop- where do they move the people and where are, the, where are the, the water resources, the food resources to sustain the folks that, that have been displaced because of this disaster as they clean this area up. And it's going to take a number of years. And and we are all hopeful that they get this uh, reactor situation under control as quickly as possible. And we have folks from from Department of Energy in the federal sector, uh, also from private sector that are over there working with the Japanese to, to get this situation under control as fast as they can. But it is very serious. And it is, as the Japanese government themselves have stated in, in numerous press uh, conferences. It, it's a grave situation and remains a grave situation. So let's hope that middle of the road is, is what happens, uh, that, that they get it under control fairly quickly and can start concentrating then resources on, on how do they get this area uh, habitable by, by humans and, and other uh, biodiversity well, as quickly as possible. America, but, uh, it's going to take yeah. a number of years to, to uh, clean up and re- respond to this to this disaster. Well, the United States is a leader of the world in being able to be very resilient with tragedy, devastations, and, and, and tenacity. To Once they get it figured out, where could they find a better partnership than in America? Dwayne, that's how I look at it. And because America really cares about Japan, and if Japan is close to America, I kind of had a little thing in the back of my mind uh, uh, that I went through, and I should write about it, but nature's tears uh, uh, misting uh, Japan, um, eyes uh, from America, vision, Earth's human mission with you, Japan, from America being uh, praying and courage, because they have the courage, and they have partners around the world that can give them that 
courage. And uh, now, Dwayne, what are they going to do with all of the, um, uh, what happened with the tsunami? Because it is a small island. What do you do with all of that disastrous um, rubbish, uh, the, the, all of the, the kindling of the woods, the buildings, the cars? What do you do with it from a small, in a small island? Well, again, you know, the Japanese have proven time and time again they're, they're very industrious and, and they will um, they'll recycle, uh, they'll use what they can use, and, and you know, I, I know that they'll bounce back from this as fast as, as any people can. But they do need their friends, just like we do. Uh, uh, you know, we had, we had international help responding to Katrina in the New Orleans area. Even a nation uh, as, as rich and as powerful as the United States, we had some international help there. And the Japanese will welcome that, and they are resilient. It's going to take, again, you know, years to, mm-hmm. to clean this area up. I mean, we're still uh, cleaning up from the 2005 tsunami in, in Indonesia. There's still international aid there and international help there. And so even Japan, as powerful and rich a nation as it is, in the global picture, they will need some international help. And, and I know, again, we're responding. We have people on the ground there now that are helping them to to respond as quickly as possible and, and to plan for how are we going to to, uh, to try to avoid this kind of uh, disaster again in the future and, and how do we change the architecture along the coastlines. And, and so it, it's going to take yeah, a long time, but uh, the Japanese, I think, are have proven over and over again in the past that they, they can respond and, and be tragedy, resilient. We and, always learn from tragedy. I mean, sadly, it's like, uh, what was it? Prince, Prince William was talking recently in um, uh, New Zealand um, about what happened to them. And he said, you know, my grandmother used to say, from pain there is love that comes with it. Um, and and that's where uh, I, I I just wish I gr- rushed to the internet and grabbed that description of what he said. But he said my grandmother used to say, "From pain, sadness comes the love," and it's so true, Dwayne. Now, what are you doing here in the United States to get prepared and get us alerted? To because this is a new an alert button to certain parts of the United States. I only have three minutes left, but. What are we going to do here to get people educated about being aware and joining in and thinking out loud to prepare for what might happen over here at any time, especially in the California coast? And right. we had an effect on the Oregon coast. And uh, what can we what can we uh, learn today from that? Well, I could I could tell you that the Department of Energy has uh, um, a rigorous evaluation underway right now of of existing nuclear facilities in the United States, and they're working with the, the U.S. Geological Survey to understand uh, what the proximity of the existing nuclear facilities, nuclear power facilities in this country, the proximity to uh, fault zones, active fault zones, and, and seismic areas. So they're, they're reevaluating that, um, you know, how, how close are those facilities, um, what kind of design criteria were used. You know, these facilities are are all uh, on the order of 30 years old and older in this country. We haven't built a new nuclear plant in this country since, I believe, about 1974. You might check me on that, uh, Sharon, but I believe it, about 1974 was the last uh, nuclear facility that was, was constructed in this country. So they're all uh, decades old with, with decades old um, engineering and, and architecture and, and safety features built in. So we're Right now, we're really going through a, a rigorous evaluation of that um, in the federal sector. Well, you probably heard me at the beginning of the show, but we in modern life want facilities to be able to have modern conveniences. And every day, somebody new is born on Earth, and we need those conveniences. We're, we're spoiled. We like them. What is the, uh, I only had a couple of minutes left. What is the alternative to if we decide we can't build anymore for a while? Well, you know, that, that's really something that we all need to take a look at. And you and I have talked uh, on this venue on your show before about um, how do we all start thinking about adjusting our lifestyle and, and living at a level that is acceptable to us but is not at the level that we've 
we've enjoyed in the past in terms of of uh, electrical power and and water usage and using our automobiles and the things that Americans Americans tend to see as as those are the things that that give us the freedoms that we have and that we've relied on in the past and how do we start changing that that those thought processes those new habit new habits and uh, yeah how do we how do we get out of the habits that we're in and and start using more public transportation and uh, one of the things that that makes that difficult in the United States is our population is spread out over a large geographic area and so we 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 use the road system that we have the best one in the world we use our automobiles and so how do we start rethinking uh, how how are we going to cut back on that and and so you know I think that that in our schools and 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 in our homes we we all need to start thinking about how can we conserve and 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 if all of us pitch in I, you know we we've got a, a chance to cut back on on energy usage we all think about um, the use of, of foreign oil for our automobiles and our on our uh, trucking our goods around the country and it's not an easy thing to think about it's not an easy thing to plan for and it's extremely going to be extremely hard to change our habits and our patterns and so we all we all need to step back and take a look at, at be a little more proactive about what can we be more do proactive with, absolutely exactly be a proactive what can we do it to get, and you know Dwayne I, I'm out of time and we're going to have to do this again because you're so good I always look forward to having you on being proactive and, and making it a hobby enjoying the culture of being concerned about where we're at today who we are to give back to somebody else, but also think every day about the future generations and generations that we haven't met yet, we'll never meet, but yet we know they're coming. It's kind of like, Dwayne, I'm, I'm very corny. It's kind of like the Field of Dreams, Dwayne. Do you ever see the movie, The Field of Dreams? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, I, and you know, just look around the globe at what's happening right now, Sharon, and, and we all have to, to step back, take a breath, and realize that, you know we're in this together, and there's there's more of us than than the planet can sustain in terms of natural resource usage. And so, what are we going to do? How are we how are we going to address this and address it together as well, a global we need community? We people like you out there reminding us and your educate your background and what you've been experiencing. Well, thank you for joining us. It was a very historical uh, show today with this topic. And I sure do want to have you on again because I, I I learn a lot, and I know the listeners do be happy to come on and, and maybe the next time we can talk about how we're we're formally uh, changing our, our our educational systems in the federal sector in terms of how do we use this science in, in a better way for oh, all I'm of us. I'm really looking forward to that one. Oh, that's going to be a good, I want to, I want to learn more about that. You have a nice day. You too. I'm looking Thank forward you. to the next show. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. you, Wayne. Have a nice day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. I, you know, I do this with our guests. I say, wow, I learned so much, and I've been in research for over, well, probably 30 years, actually, with Waters of the World. And am I smart? No. I always say to everybody, can we, can we ever learn enough? And we need people from all walks of life and all, all over the world to learn. And we learn together. But at the end of the show, I always say, Earth is whispering, don't say goodbye. What I mean by that, listeners, is Earth is whispering something to us every moment of our breath of life on it, on Earth and in Heaven. Don't say goodbye because we're here to do this together, and we're doing it for future generations. And isn't that exciting to think about the field of dreams and more to come and what's, what we may not see but we can vision? We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we're going to bring on Art Bernstein. He's going to have quite a dynamic uh, outlook on it for us. With his, he's got a master's degree, anthropology degree in forestry, and he's an author, a, a naturalist. And we're going to hear about what's going on with the tsunami in the northern California coast in Crescent City and Oregon uh, from his uh, outlook. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and what is being affected in Japan right now. When the eyelid is open, the eyes are affected. It's the one organ that when your eyelid is open, pollution and contamination affects the eyes. We're going to listen with our, to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist, and we'll be right back with Art Bernstein. Yeah. 
the World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Are, are you with us? Uh, yeah, but the phone is very faint and keeps crackling. Okay, well, I don't hear it. Okay, well. <laughs> so I, it's too bad we didn't know that before. Um, Do with that information what you will. Okay, uh, anyway, we can't hear it on my end. Okay. And, uh, but back to, um, you, you listened to our show at the, the, with Dwayne Cecil. I sure did. And uh, tell us about what you're thinking on what has happened here on the Oregon and California coast. Well, a week after the tsunami, actually the, the day after the tsunami, we were going to go there, but uh, it just started raining and raining and raining and snowing and so we stayed home a week later we went and uh, took a look uh i was worried about a beach that we like to go to and i was concerned that uh, this beach had been damaged so a week after the tsunami we drove down and uh we we drove to crescent city and we looked all around crescent city we went to the boat harbor and then we went down to uh this uh, big lagoon beach and, uh, yeah, <laughs> the boat harbor was a mess. Uh, nothing else in Crescent City was damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's, there, there's three um, breakwaters that it had to get through, and... I don't know what the, now, Crescent City had a 19- the pattern of the waves was, whether they jumped over yeah, the breakwaters. Um, uh, by, uh, our uh, 1964, uh, Crescent City had had, and uh, which is not too far, uh, uh, Oregon and California's coastal waters are just like, what, 25 minutes apart uh, from Brookings to uh, Oregon to California, where Crescent City's uh, harbor is Crescent at. Crescent City is... Uh, 15, 20 miles south of the Oregon border. Yeah, so um, when they had a 1964 a tsunami in Crescent City. Well, they, they also built... had the 64 flood, and then they had the 64 tsunami from the Alaskan earthquake. And, right, right. And uh, people don't realize that the Alaskan yeah. earthquake affected on in, in California, uh, not too far from the Oregon border on the coast there at Crescent City, a tsunami then. Yeah, if you go to downtown Crescent City, uh, there's a flat area on a bench, and then there's these low cliffs that are like uh, maybe 10, 20 feet high. And all of downtown Crescent City used to be there. And uh, now it's all a park, and you know everything is wide open and brand new, and the city has all moved over inland more. Uh, now, along the Crescent City, did you go over to the Oregon area? Now, where I'm coming from... Uh, I, I didn't go to Oregon, no. Yeah, what I'm coming from is why art, and your background may be able to help us uh, uh, offer an analyzation to this. How could all the way from Japan a tsunami happen in the Pacific Ocean okay, in well, Crescent City, we were, California? We were talking about that. Unbelievable. They published on uh, on the internet this photograph showing the shock waves coming across the ocean, mm-hmm. uh, which were the tsunami waves, mm-hmm. and they all started from Japan and they radiated out like sunbursts. Okay, mm-hmm. 
So there are all these waves, and the, the strongest waves were purple, and the purple died out after you know a while, and then the next strongest waves were red, and there were these rays of red just radiating out from Japan. One of the rays, and only one of them, gets about halfway across the Pacific, and you, you can see it on this picture. Gets about halfway across the Pacific, and bends. Takes a bend. It makes a bend, and then it heads right for the southern Oregon and northern California coast. Now, when you and the reason, go ahead. Excuse me, real quickly. When you say where you see this on, where, where would they go on the website to see that? Uh, just look up Japanese tsunami images. Okay, and then it'll and, uh, show the ocean. It's a, it's a pic photo of the Pacific Ocean, and it looks yellow, and it's got all these red sunburns. Okay, so it was all those colors on uh, from the uh, who detected those colors? <laughs> I am not sure. Okay, no, uh, what I mean color is enhanced aerial those colors, photo, so that's their uh, way of the, water color, uh, coloring in the water. Showing the shock waves from the earthquake okay. as they came across the ocean. Exactly. Okay. And what apparently happened was that this one particular wave bumped into the Hawaiian Islands where it picked up an underwater formation called the Mendocino Fracture Zone. Mm-hmm. And the Mendocino Fracture Zone goes from Cape Mendocino just south of uh, Crescent of Eureka on the Oregon coast, on the California coast. South of Crescent City. Uh, and it goes all the way out to the Hawaiian Islands. Isn't that big, a big, uh, big underwater mountain range. Reactions. Um, and, now, uh, is that, that having to... Range I'm, is big I'm enough to ask him, you've, you've, got the background, you've got the background to help me with this. Is that because it's reacting to the bottom of the floor of the ocean? Yes. Yes, because the a lot of those waves are, all the way to the bottom. Uh, all the way to the bottom of the ocean. Don't. They're just at the top. All the way from Japan. The tsunami waves go all the way to the ocean floor. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, the vibrating is. is just, uh, you know, you, if you're in a helicopter or an airplane, you can see this this line of foam just uh, coming mm-hmm. across the ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, our first really experience as a modern era of time, thanks to television, uh, we were able to see what happened a few years ago in the, yep. the countries, and and it was devastating, and we were all just in awe uh, of what happened. But this happened to a small, like a Dwayne Cecil. He's a Ph.D. He's been with NASA. He's been with a U.S. Geological Survey. Now he's with... Um, the regional climate services of, of oceanic studies and uh, water research here in America. He's direct. He's a director. Been there for a year, many, many his whole career, and he was telling us how it, it, the island of Japan. And I've been there. It's like it's an island, and yeah. it's narrow, and it's almost like a toothpick. Thinking and yet populated, and then they had this horrible tragedy. And our, they were already proactive about concerns about yeah. the environment and, and, and issues of their welfare and their health with lots of, of humility of what they And most of the cities are not inland because there isn't very much oh, there inland. There is no much inland. And then yeah. they, they were proactively concerned about everybody and their uh, welfare and, and uh, environmental consciousness and all this. And look at what happened. But from tragedy can come knowledge. And they will teach us a lot with their experiences. We as Americans, we're learning from, I've talked to some people heading the government, uh, like Cecil's out there doing what he's doing, going in and studying with Japan already, and uh, they're flying around studying on the ground too. Cecil said his group are studying. We can learn so much from sadness will come the love of understanding what can we do to prepare uh, for saving lives, but you don't. I'm I'm for nuclear power, but we're going to have to learn the safety of it in case there's a uh, earthquake that hits number ten someday, higher than nine. I'm mean, you know, knowing the Japanese. I would have thought uh, that their nuclear power plants uh, would be safeguarded against all this. Well, but you, you know, remember, they're, they're, they're General, planning is just. Uh, well, General Electric is a design. I mean, if anybody can do it right, it's the Japanese. Well, no, no. The General Electric built those. Yeah. 
facility. But most of them were built in the 70s. Same and as General Electric, the in- inventors, the technology inventors, were behind what it was, and I guess it was designed, uh, and I'm just repeating what we were all learning from the reports, at a 7, if it was a, 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 a earthquake at 7, Richter scale. Yeah. Not as high, but General Electric is the designer of all of it. So who's been operating them with General Electric as the owners were, uh, were uh, operating these facilities, older old as they were, yeah. based on the way they were designed. Now, there's not going to be a tsunami in Pennsylvania or... But there could be St. Helens. You operate these facilities with water. Now, the fascination that I learned, um, and, of course, it's all reports, that what they started using as quickly as they could, the ocean water, which caused, like, it started causing a lot of, of uh, contamination to the fact that those uh, reactors couldn't handle the ocean water in the way it was being brought in to cool down the reactors. So, and I'm not talking. Yeah, I'm not talking as if I know. But they yeah. started having a lots of erosion to the ocean water doing it based on the salt. Yeah, and I would now they're salt back water to the fresh water. They're bringing an enormous amount of fresh water to be able to try to. Uh, solve this problem, and yeah. uh, I think we learned don't use ocean water to try to cool them down because the erosion to the piping and what's happening to the facility there, and I'm not talking with any experience, by the way, yeah. uh, but we're learning, and the one thing the world needs to understand is I'm more concerned, Art, about eyes because con- when that eyelid is open, there's a contamin- eyes get contaminated anyway. Every oh, single day, there's toxin in there. And that's what we've learned about the human eye organ is the tear film and the toxin and the deficit problem of, of uh, dehydration. Uh, I'm concerned about their eyes and the, and the rest of their health. And the air. Yes, exactly. On the clothing, on the clothing, on the walls, yeah. on the ceiling, on the food. I mean, it's going to have a little subtleness in which person will have the reaction uh, more than somebody else. But... Tell us when you were in uh, Crescent City now, um, how are the people in Crescent City reacting to this surprise? Because this was all the way over in Japan, and the Crescent City, yeah, California, yeah. was really affected. Uh, yeah, and it usually is. Uh, I don't know, there's something about the configuration of the harbor there. It seems to be a, a magnet. Plus, it's uh, just north of the Mendocino Fracture Zone by about 80 miles. So... Uh, but uh, yeah, the city was fine. You know, the 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 sea the sea cliffs uh, around the city, which are like uh, I don't know, maybe ten to twenty feet high. Uh, now this happened over two weeks ago. Did you you said something about the ocean water was still tied high and coming close to those cliffs? Yeah, I was there a week later, and uh, I don't know if it had anything to do with the tsunami or not. But I never there wasn't any beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we drove along the ocean for from Crescent City down to Big Lagoon Beach, and uh, there wasn't any beach. You know, the the, uh, the waves the waves were very high. They were like four or five feet, not eight feet like the tsunami waves, but uh, you know, three, four, five feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they were crashing right up against the. Uh, You know, uh, so, so there wasn't any beach strand. Uh, we were crashing right up against the, okay. even on Highway 101. We've only got about three minutes where, left. Where it's maybe right left. up against the beach. You know, yeah, there's our, a, yeah, we have only about three minutes left. And okay. I'm gonna, let's talk about your new book that's out. Um, uh, when you and I talked once before, you asked if you could talk about the book. Let's, sure. uh, uh, we've only got about two and a half minutes. Tell us <laughs> about your latest book that you've got out. Uh, I have a book called Weird Hike Second Edition uh, by Art Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. It's by uh, Falcon Guides, Globe Pequot. It's a book of short stories, uh, true, true stories. It's called Weird Hikes. Now, what do true stories mean in a hiking book, Art? 
Uh, actually, Your personal experiences or somebody else? Well, this gets into a whole ball of worms. Uh, <laughs> ball of worms. Just because something weird worms happens that doesn't mean it's a story. Oh, okay. And I've had a lot more weird things happen to me than I was so able to make you, you had a, a somewhat of a fiction and a non-fiction book all in one. Well, it's just not necessarily fiction. It's just... Oh, okay. um, You have to be able to have you know character motivation and 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 have the events have some meaning in the person's life you know if it's going to be a story, otherwise it's just an event. Mm-hmm. Now does it so, teach us? There are sixteen people? stories all having to do with weird things that happen. So it doesn't teach people that when they're hiking to be aware of certain things or just a little humor to go along with your hike. No, because the interesting thing is it didn't occur to me till it was weird in a lot of them until after I got home oh, okay. and thought about it. Yeah. Like when I'm hiking and uh, I saw a McDonald's restaurant off in the distance, you know, right when my daughter was hungry and refusing to. And it occurred to me, you know, many months later that that was the first time in my entire life that I ever saw a McDonald's restaurant from a hiking trail. Now, how do you see a McDonald's? <laughs> Where did you see that at? I'm going to ask. Uh, Black Butte near Mount Shasta. Oh, I'm around that. The McDonald's restaurant was at the foot of Black Butte, about eight miles away. Isn't that fun? Well, I've only got a minute left. And uh, tell them how to find your uh, book. Uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, any bookstore. Okay. I I was with my granddaughter, uh, Kelsey Keeling, at Barnes & Noble on Saturday, and we had the most wonderful time. uh, But, again, I should have looked at your book. Yeah, I love Barnes & Noble. Anyway, you have a nice day. Thank you for joining me. Oh, you, you too, and Cecil, thank you. You and Dwayne Cecil today were fabulous at a historic time much. of our lives. Good thank to you. talk to have you. Have a nice day. Bye. Be well. Well, I have said from when I started the Sharon Klein Hour, this is a human mission for me. And the human mission for me with the show and the sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Center, is for the world to hear the messages of all these wonderful, wonderful guests we have our guests in a Hall of Fame, and the Hall of Fame is certain topics of different descriptions of welfare, your concerns of your life, whether it be your nutrition, um, the environment, uh, the water issues, life and death issues, the wars. We've had National Geographic on. We've had the Nobel Prize winner on. We've had Nine Nations on. We've had... Dwayne Cecil from U.S. Geological Survey. I could go on and on and on. Authors from books from all over the world. We've been in Kenya, Holland. We've been around. And can we ever get bored? Can we ever learn enough? Can these? Can we ever have a, a guest that isn't just magnificently, absolutely on a mission for us? So I need you to know that I believe that Earth does have a secret, and by that I mean. Are we learning what that secret's about together for other generations to live and be healthy and be proactive about their issues and their concerns and the environment? But we need to embrace each other because, like Dwayne Cecil said, we're in this together, all of us, from globe to globe, from universe to universe. Earth does, is whispering, though, as like I mentioned. Be proactive, be concerning, and leave something of yourself, like the field of dreams. We all have something to leave. Leave that footprint of concern. Let's help in Japan and around the world because people are saying, let's do this together. I want to thank you for listening. Be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.